coming up on this episode, we're going to jump right into the social chop and this generation rerunning from fashion, music, TV, movies, and even racist presidents. Everything is being recycled, perhaps over-recycled. We're going to talk through it. Then we're going to move into the political chop because, yes, Donald Trump has been elected president. We'll talk through it and what that means for America and other reactions across the country. And then we're going to wrap it up with a very special guest in the reality chop. Uh, we have Jordan from the Black Wildflowers. We're going to sit down and talk with Toya about mental health in the black community, social anxieties, and how disenfranchised groups will situate themselves inside a Trump presidency. And of course, you already know we got the dope music on deck. So, and make sure anyone any, want to submit music to us, you can send it to the chop up email at gmail.com. That once again is the chop up email at gmail.com. Holler at us, send us that dope stuff, and we'll put you on. Hey, we got a high episode coming for you. Stay tuned. <laughs> This is the chop up, this is the chop up, this is the chop up and no one can do it live. My name is Cam G, the coolest, allow me to do the honor. I'm with my sister Toya G and she's straight out of KC. Moved to the west coast but still gon' keep it G. We got together to give the people something that's free. The chop up should come off organically cause on the mic, on the phone, we can have these conversations anyway. And make sure you chop it up with us on the social media and you can chop up any day cause you can stream us in any place and Say I was Cam G, the coolest. Had to reel you in if you never knew us. Straight from Dallas, Texas, making OG maneuvers. And this is a recording where no one can do it lava. This is the chop up. This is the chop up. Hey, we're back. It's another episode of the chop up. You know what it is. It's your girl Toya G. What's going on, Cam G? Yo, what's going on? Glad to be here for the 12th time. What's up, people? absolutely listen uh it's about that time of the year where uh the year is about over <laughs> where, like, i don't even know where it went like geez i'm shocked every time we get together and talk because it feels like in between us connecting and vibing so much life be happening but like thanksgiving is yeah. next week yeah yeah um i don't even know what we're doing we just i didn't even find out where the plate's at when where i'm gonna bring my foil <laughs> to Got a greens, hams, <laughs> tomatoes, potatoes, dogs, hogs, mm. lambs. You've been on you've been on a Shirley Caesar kick? No, I haven't. I've been like You're, head to the to the ground lately. I I've I've been ignoring stuff, not not seeing what's going it. on. Like you gotta like Listen, put me on like right the now. You made everything it, I've the, missed. The you made it challenges out here hiding popping. Um definitely a, a snippet from some sermon she had preached way back or some song she was on. Mm-hmm. Somebody and dug it up in terms of what you anticipating to be on the table. Hopefully, where grandma cooked, and it's like I want, I got beans, greens, hogs, frog, something. Mm-hmm. It's wild, bro. But people dancing to it, remixing it. Uh, dog on Chris Brown done dance to it. It's it's crazy. It's going missing it then. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, you 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 go ahead. You I, I'm gonna tell you to go ahead and find it. Some trends and some little goofy yeah. stuff will come and go, and you be like, whatever. Go find the you made it challenge because it's wild. Y'all need to. I've been missing. I've been missing stuff. So let me go ahead. It's wild. Take note. But I mean, in the meantime, though, like, are you are you excited for Thanksgiving? How you feeling about it? You. You is it? Do you usually get live around this time of the year? What's your mood like? What's your sentiment right now? How you feeling? Uh, just I'm thankful, like Marshawn Lynch. <laughs> but really, <laughs> really, that's what it is. I, I'm really, um, I'll be thankful to just spend time with my people. You know, we just yeah. talking about everything, catching up. You know, you get on the grind so hard. Sometimes people just miss each other, and 
you know, you get that time off from work and doing everything thing and um get to just chill, eat some food, yeah. watch some football. We're gonna be watching the Cowboys. Oh, you watching yeah. the Chiefs too? Oh, so we ain't worried about them down here though. We mm-hmm. we just worry about that that star on that helmet. <laughs> they never they never worry until it's too late, and that's fine. Too. I will I will say this though that the Chiefs have got very little coverage, so I, I've yeah. I've peeped I've peeped peeped y'all out there. Then they switch. Then they get swapped. It's like they flexible schedule. They got switched. Yeah, with y'all got flexed. So uh, I believe the Broncos game got flexed. So y'all yeah. gonna be in prime well, no, time. We're playing the Broncos. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I, I just yeah. said the Broncos, but <laughs> I didn't want to mention the Chiefs. But now, nah, <laughs> oh my goodness! I'm oh my just, gosh! <sighs> I never yeah. expected that from you. I didn't. I didn't go off. I'm on Team Dak. Dakota, uh, what's his name? Dakota Prescott. His name is Dak. 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 I, sorry, didn't mean to put too much on it. Dak Prescott. <laughs> I mean, I've seen some some plays and some business moving around. Like I ain't hey. hating on it. You don't have to come for my team like that. Yeah, hey, it just it's. I don't know. I think it's the colors. I just never really mm. rock with the colors out there. It just That's I fine. went and I've actually been to a game at Arrowhead and it, it was just mm. it was bad on my eyes. Just all that red. Mm. It oh, just... it was bad on your eyes. Well, I'm thankful. You know what I'm thankful for? <laughs> we was talking about being thankful. I'm thankful you know for my thankful cowboys. For? <laughs> I'm thankful for my haters. I'm thankful for my team's haters. I don't know where they um, at. Hey, it sounds like it's on the other end of the <laughs> podcast. But what we will do aye, aye. um in the spirit of thankfulness and really honestly because I'm thankful for you. Is that um, you and I together are about to just go ahead and jump inside of this show one time. You ready to do it? Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's jump into the social chop. <laughs> All right. So as we look at the year, you know, it's about the, that time. 2016 is coming to a close. We mm-hmm. can definitely take some time. And, and, and I think even right now, start reflecting on some of the highs and lows, some of the interesting things that have happened. Um, over this year and just recently, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. in terms of life, living, society, pop culture in general. Um, but I I kind of feel like we're caught in what I'm calling generation rerun a little bit. And right, right. I feel a bunch of different ways about it. Some good, some interesting. But what do you what's your take on it? Like generation rerun. You feel like we're running a lot of things back these days? Oh, most most definitely. Like uh I'm just noticing things coming back it's like kind of subtle and it's it's all coming at you know at once now you know you just have the nintendo nes come out um mm-hmm. you know sold out real quick you know nintendo's real smart about you know only putting a little bit of product out you know creating this high demand and you got you know you got chokers then came back you know you got like the necklaces you know I don't know what they were. I, I they always scared me when I was younger like <laughs> the people that were <laughs> I was like uh I don't know why you wear that where, around where your neck. You see, where did you see choker necklaces at though? Where Where are you seeing this at? Did I'm seeing them. Just... I'm seeing them. General. I've I've seen them out and about. Um, I've seen them on social media. I mean, I'm just I'm I'm seeing well, them I mean, like well. That was that was a thing when we were younger, but now it just came yeah. out of nowhere. Like not to say it was bad, about, but I always like felt weird about 90s. them. That's yeah, like late 90s yeah. fashion too. And I was always that... weird with that time. So. Think about it though, like a whole lot, a whole lot of fashion, like old school fashion is like yep. in, like it's very interesting. And here's what's interesting to me in thinking about the rotation of fashion. Mm-hmm. It's not even that people are like going back to like the seventies or like the thirties or like whatever. People going straight to it's something about the nineties that is really just like yeah. lit to this generation. Like it's something really about nineties culture, nineties kind of swag you see they didn't go back to the early 2000s people ain't really bagging it up real quick and nothing like that or they are but they're doing it with like a really 90s kind of feel to it it's mm-hmm. it's 
it's weird. I mean, I loved it. I was thriving in the 90s. That was a great time for yeah, me. Yeah, it was funky. Um, it was fresh. Was it was fat. The, it was all that. Yeah. I was, you know, <laughs> flexing on a playground near you. It was nothing. <laughs> Do you feel me? And the latest Rugrats attire, like, yeah. was happening. Like, it mm-hmm. wasn't really a problem. Shout so, out to Tommy. Feel me. And Angelica was that deal, but also Susie. Mm. Really let you know who was running business. Black yeah. on the block. She, she did come through. Was. Like, that voice was, it was... It was, whew, she came through Susie, wrecking. Susie Carmichael? Came through, about Susie Car- listen. came through wrecking. Boy, look. Boy, look. <laughs> With that little rasp sounding wrong. Yeah, yeah. It was like, she, yeah. Was, she was five. She was three. Just, hello. Um, Don't get me started. I'm dying. <laughs> um, my Shiro. But it's just all that. All of that. Yes, Pepper Red. Yeah. Look, Saturday morning mm-hmm. cartoons. One Saturday morning. Like, oh. the 90s were beautiful. We bring it. We bring it all back. Listen, are you what they bring it? They bring in some shows back. They got Power Rangers movie coming out. Bruh, do you know I'm gonna be the first one at um, March 24th, 2017, at a theater? Ooh, um, I didn't know that. Like somewhere around here, I'm gonna beat her, beating down the door. Uh, Power Rangers. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. That's but everything you got. Uh, what else you got? A what tribe called a tribe called Quest just came out with an album. Yeah. Um, I did listen. I think I listened to most of it when I was in the gym. And I was I was vibing to it. Was like Yeah, like I've never really like I've always respected um the art, you know, from that time. Cause I know a Tribe Called Quest and Daylight Soul, you know, had some ties and I was kinda when I was like going back through the musical musical history and was getting hip to them, I was like, Okay, I see the I definitely see how this influenced so many rappers, but I never really just, you know, just listen to it every day. But this one right here, I'm I'm really I'm really liking right now. So I'm definitely gonna give mm. it, you know, a few more a few more runs. And then they and then I saw a performance on Saturday Night Live, which I never watched. And the only reason I watched it was was because Dave Chappelle was on. Right, and, and he had me down. Well, I mean, SNL. I ain't gonna lie. Like before we jump on Dave, though, they was holding it down for the elections. Like, let's not get it twisted. They oh, had some great, great uh, election commentary coverage, stick mm-hmm. stand up, uh, whatever you call them things. It was hit the live skits. You know the what was the one of the ball ones was playing Trump, and then um, yeah, I, I'm not sure if her name was doing Hillary, but she was she was killing. Boy, both of them was really killing it. Major performances, yeah. but back to what you was talking about, uh, your boy Dave Chappelle had oh, a whole opening. He opened up a show, right? Yeah, monologue, cussing, saying whatever he wanted to say. I was <laughs> like, yo, I'm, I'm with it. Like it was, it was really good and refreshing to see uh, Dave Chappelle back on TV. And then, yeah. you know, if you watched it, he brought back some of the old characters, and and you know that oh, was he funny. Did, he did a skit. He brought back the old characters, and he did a skit with uh, with uh, Chris Rock, and with, and with Chris Rock. Yes, yeah, reacting yeah. to all the <laughs> all the white people reacting to the election coverage, and mm-hmm. you know that was hilarious to me too because I, I feel like that was that was right on point. So you know we got we got a little bit of uh, reruns coming from everywhere. I'm hoping Dave Chappelle come back. Um, yeah, I mean, I really that I, I wish he never left. I understand why I did. Decisions had to be made. Mm-hmm. A stand had to be taken. But I definitely hope he can come back and jump back in the driver's seat. 
of a lot of, I mean, I no no diss and no shade to the Kevin Hart to the world, you know what I'm saying? But I just think it's a different brand of comedy that I really do have yes. a, a appreciation for. I yes. think it has its pocket in the world the same way. Um, your your Kevin Hart's and your Cat Williams's and your whomever else you want to bring up uh, have their place. We definitely need our Dave Chappelle back for sure. Oh yeah, right. that Period. was that was needed. That way, I'm just hoping it was enough to bring him back. You were you, you know, back, a YouTube time. show, a YouTube show. I be you know I subscribe, whatever. What's up, Dave? Oh, it, it was a time you couldn't tell me nothing about Dave Chappelle and yeah. uh, the Boondocks. Yeah, coming on around the same it. time, like that was a great two piece. You know your social commentary and yeah, you know all that. But jokes. what was you? <laughs> I mean, and, and fresh, relevant, like just masterful and music, like great mm-hmm. music. Like at the end of the show, like mm-hmm. no, no shows don't really do that no more. Like yeah. at the end of the show, just having a jam session where I think I seen Luda perform at the end of it, Kanye perform at mm-hmm. the end of the show, a trial card quest. Chop Hot Quest perform at the end of the show. The Roots perform at the end of a show. Like, mm-hmm. just raw, amazing. Wu-Tang, of course, yeah. the Wu-Tang Clan performing at the end of a show. Wu-Tang um, Clan ain't nothing to fuck with. <laughs> yeah. I gotta hit that. Yeah. That reminds me of, like, just the race the race draft. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's one of the skits or, skits or whatever. But just, uh, I miss Dave Chappelle. I'm happy he back around. It made, me, it made me think of all that, though. Like, tying it all with... Just the whole rerun thing, like Dave Chappelle made me feel like just with everything else I've been feeling like with the Power Rangers coming out, the Nintendo, yeah. the, the Chokers, like all that, what the race, the racist, the uh, racist presidents, that too, you yeah. know, it's like. We got to cycle them back in, you know. <laughs> Barack Obama. Come back, but it came back. You, honey, look, I read, and I don't, honestly, I don't want to give, um. I don't, I don't believe this, and so I don't want to feed too much into it because I think it is misleading, particularly based on what we saw in the election mm-hmm. or from the results of the election, which we'll get to in a minute. But a lot of people said that, you know, this these outcomes of these politics were like the last gasp of white, conservative, neoliberal, affluent masculinity. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, hmm, that's a very interesting way to look at it. You know, the our society, the numbers don't lie, it's getting more and more diverse by every second. So, like, is this really the last kind of hurrah we have from racist establishment and racist institution before an insurgence happens. And for a second, I believed it, but I don't really know. I think we'll continue to run back and recycle and cycle through a whole bunch more racist people before we end up being tired of it in this country. Hmm. Hmm. I, I think you may right. be, you may be onto something there. I, I, I was kind of leaning, I'm still leaning towards it, but towards like this paradigm shift, you know, with this, this, you know, super diverse group that's, you know, coming of age and, mm-hmm. you know, the old age, you know, being ushered out. Uh, but they, they just not going to just go away, though. So. I mean, yeah. but I think one of the things we find surprising is that, yeah, this generation and these new youngins and these kids is loving, and accepting and, and, and kumbaya way more than ever before. But. It's some still some outliers. It's still some people who standing tough and 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 really being indignant about their bigotry and their lack of a desire to really integrate. And they want to continue to inherit the same privilege and social positioning as their parents had, and don't really want to give up a whole bunch of stuff. So I don't want to give them that much credit. I think, especially particularly when like the young voter base, well, and they did overwhelmingly vote for um, Hillary, Hillary over. Uh, Donald Trump, but I just I don't know. I'm not ready to to give them that much credit yet because I think lack of Vance is that healthy I mean, distrust. 
liberalism is still shady as hell too. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I think one of the things people forget to do when they criticize Donald Trump is to also criticize the liberalism attached to Hillary Clinton, which is why I feel great and super guilt-free about the fact that I did not vote for a presidential candidate. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. We talked about that on the last show. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the spirit of nostalgia, one of the things I was not trying to live back, that I was not trying to have deja vu about, was uh, this the, the status quo of American politics or this phenomena, this phenomenological uh, form of politics that Donald Trump was trying to bring that is just super extremist in its own way mm-hmm. and in its own right while it's attempting to deal with the extremism that exists in society, whether it be uh, the way that uh, money is spent for social services or the way that black people are trying to be liberated or the way that we just liberally allow uh, uh, um, immigrants and people to run the country, right? The... the conservative people in the world think that those are extremist views well actually mm-hmm. no donald trump is an extremist the cons- i won't say the conservative popular party because there are some conservatives who are just freaking done with donald trump and everything that he's done but a lot of the people who are aligned with him are extremists in their own rights in one some way shape form or fashion right they agree mm-hmm. that black people are super predators that's mm-hmm. a supremacist extremist kind of position on on the issue they believe that we need to build a wall in some capacity right they believe um the lies that are being told about how wealth is distributed in this country these are Mm -hmm. all uh very extremist understandings of the way that the system functions and the way that particular people are targeted based on what you understand about those systems and so you got that option or you got the closet racist supremacist Mm -hmm. uh capitalist liberalist uh (laughs) neoliberalist Hillary Clinton, and it's just like you lose either way it goes. So I didn't vote for nobody because I didn't want to relive that part of history by any means. I wanted to play my role in not repeating um, that particular part of history because I'm not nostalgic. I don't yearn for another mm. Clinton presidency, and I don't yearn for um, slavery again either. <laughs> so yeah, great again. You vote for Donald Trump, right? We're not trying to bring that back, but stuff Whatever seems to be keep keep coming back. I'm over it. However, um, so the presidents were not trying to relive. Here's my issue, or here's my kind of, is this a problem? I'm going to ask you, is this an issue Okay. in terms of this generation rerun, like how we continue to run things back? We listen to music. I feel like there's not a lot of originality no more. Like, either we get real Hmm. stale, uh, lackluster, non-innovative, ABCDEFG music. Or we get music with beats and samples and stuff that we've already heard. Um, So I feel like in in, in some ways, in some capacities, music has lost its touch. I think because of the general reliance on beats and melodies and a whole bunch of stuff that's already existed. Agree or disagree? I mean, music has always relied on samples from from other artists and composers and all that. So I I think that, that, I don't think that's anything new, but but like I definitely, it, like, yeah, like, you yearn, like, but you yearn for, you know, that, that advancement of, of, you know, of, of music, of the art. So even, I, I feel you on that. I definitely feel you on that. But I mean, that's part of that. Challenge is a great example. Like okay. you had to pull back and go get Monica stuff. Like mm-hmm. the, uh, even the, the, you, the, you made it challenge. Uh, we was talking about with Shirley Caesar. That's mm-hmm. off an old video. Somebody dug up and ran back. Like it's just a whole bunch of old stuff. So no creativity cycled in. I don't, but I don't know. I don't want to say that's not creative. Like I'm really, mm-hmm. I'm in a weird place with it because it's dope to go take something that we thought we had beat to death and listen to the death and 
overstood and you know wore out and really just appreciated for all we possibly could and then you took it and put some more stack on it like oh okay this is completely different Got like it. uh juju on the beat like juju on the beat which is the same <laughs> as uh doggone crime mob like oh my goodness <laughs> it's the <laughs> same are endless. <laughs> it is the same beat and i thought that was me until somebody was like no that's crime mob uh, <laughs> and i was like okay well, yeah, that yeah. was middle. That was middle school. Thank you. Yeah, was early high school for us. Thank you for running that back. Yeah, I think that was early high school for us. But, um, like, mm. I, I just don't know. I don't know how to feel about it. Then you have these movies where, like, instead of just coming out with new plots and new movies or coming up with better movies, I feel like movies are generally pretty terrible. <laughs> like across the board like movies have been generally bad and maybe it's just me being overly judgmental but i think the reason why is because they come out with a third fourth and fifth and sixth version of a movie half the time but i'm like there's no other ways you can do this i use a superhero movie for example uh yes spider-man like like damn tommy mcguire was terrible but okay then we we got the other cat we barely got used to him then we got the new one that they didn't put in the last movie it's like Goodness like gracious. damn, yeah, y'all good. How we gonna have? Ends, we gonna have? You know, Ben Affleck. Like that's whatever. And then <laughs> what they ran back? Uh, Ghostbusters was I didn't see. I do want to see, but I wasn't like a, like a huge Ghostbuster fan anyway. I mean, but ear to the ground, it's not like we ain't really mm-hmm. missed nothing. Like yeah, the biggest I mean, story that came out of that was the ridicule and the racist. Over and under terms uh, regarding that. What's her name? Leslie. Leslie Jones. Leslie Jones. And so that was the biggest story that came out of that. But outside of that, the general uh, critical uh, analysis of it was that it was pretty trash. Yeah. And what what is difficult to, and you know, this kind of critical frame that I have on and this social understanding I have on it makes me wonder if it was really that bad. Um, or if it was because it was women leading those roles that made it bad, or if it was women leading those roles, that I definitely think really that kinda... had something to do with it. Because when they even you... announced the cast, they was you know people was you know online talking shit. So hey, know it. And you know. so I don't want to I don't want to put that past you know the people who are analyzing things. Mm-hmm. But I like I just things get beaten to the ground like it's a million different. Um, what is it? Uh, what is that movie? Want to play a game? What is that called? Saw. Saw. It's a million saws. It's a million. Uh, is it more than one purge? And like three, four purges? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you got a bunch a of trapped bunch in the closets. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> um, what other movies are there? The, the Medeas have to stop. I didn't even know they was c- coming out with one. And it was the number one oh, yeah. film. It was a number one for things for like for um for Halloween. Like, what are you doing? What is the point? And mm-hmm. I didn't watch it, and I don't plan on seeing it, and I don't care. But why do you keep you've? He did it. I'm what you did? It. I'm over it. I was like, that um, son of a gun. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> over repeating through shit over and over again. I think the only thing that I can appreciate about uh the things that have been recycled. Honestly, I won't say the only thing, but one of the things I've appreciated the most is uh, my haircuts. Now, you know I do my little barber mm. thing on the side, or used to. Really, I don't do it a whole mm-hmm. lot anymore. Every now and again, I did get down with an edge up, or somebody needs an emergency haircut. When no I had hair. Got you covered. Listen, I had you. We did our thing. Oh, it was it good. Was it was, I, I appreciate you. I, I love it. I remember those I times. I learned a lot. <laughs> I learned a lot. Um, 
during those times, um, though I really gained an appreciation for just black men, their hair, how they deal with it, the creativity, the versatility in it. And so I've definitely appreciated seeing a lot of these different haircuts and hairstyles come back, even on black women, right? That's I what I was going to say. I like the, the black yeah, women haircuts. It's fly. Definitely. I, the poetic justice braids, mm-hmm. the box braids, the crochets, the yeah. shoot. I've been seeing finger waves. I've been seeing it all. So mm-hmm. I think on both sides, just black hairstyles, on the, uh, they're beautiful. And mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it makes me wonder, like, first of all, how the heck did we get so doggone creative? Because a lot of these cuts and styles is just like, man, mm-hmm. black people right. know how to whip up some yeah. hair. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah. <sighs> That's in our that's in our nature. I mean, just a steady hand yeah. to do them edge ups and to do them parts that's in mm-hmm. people's heads half the time and uh I'm just like, gee, like I I'm enamored half it's the time. An art. A lot it's of these an art. boxes it's underappreciated art. Like it's mm-hmm. a science. Like I see I know you've seen them memes, it's like boy hairline be so straight, he should have been an <laughs> astrophysicist. <laughs> Or something like that. You or they be like, let me but, get a some, some, some. Oh, say no more. You know. But you know that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden you come up with it. But you know, that structural oppression. Yeah. You know, kept us out of the classroom. We mm-hmm. had to go to barber school and get a barber's license. But it's neither yeah. here nor there. Hey. Um, we're making passports. It's all connected. Here. Put them on hey. game. Put them on game. Listen. And so it's it, it, we don't sleep here on the chop up. We connecting dots always already. It is we like three in the morning right now. <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm bullshitting. Hey, it's getting, it's creeping. The time is creeping. Hey, but it's late. We <laughs> we all good mostly because I think our ability to pull back to our past and really let, allow it to you know pave our futures and path create a path to our futures. I mean, has been what we do as black people. You know what I'm saying? I think it's wild. This makes me think of the concept of Sankofa, which mm. it's like if you're familiar with like. Uh, like black notions of existence and being right in black history you look at this i think it's an egyptian symbol which is like this bird whose body is facing one direction but his head is facing back Mm -hmm. returning back and it's the idea of building on progress and moving forward by depending on the wisdom and things that have happened before you know these moments and so i i think you know even with culture we see you know people in general repeat history yeah um but i i think what we've seen too is that some black people do it better you know yeah. <laughs> like killing the game some of the yeah some of the best parts of 90s history some of that 90s swag a lot of that flavor um and even shoot the militants and the activism from before that um has been on the comeback and so i've been happy to just see some of that same spirit of resistance and power mm-hmm. pop back up um on our generation and our society so that we can start standing up for ourselves in a way that our our forefathers and our foremothers uh, did before us. Hey, you did. Yeah, I dig it. It's a whole thing. Uh, generation rerun. I guess it's all right. It ain't really a bad thing. Except the president thing, but, you know. Except for the, plus, except for the president thing. Yeah. We, I want to recount or something. <laughs> I don't know what I want. I want to be free. Mm-hmm. Marcus Garvey, come get me. Take me home. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> On the Black Star. Please. <laughs> Please, Jesus. Swing low, sweet chariot. I don't know. But real quick, let's go ahead before we even jump into the political chop. Let's play some music. We're going to jam real quick and we'll be right back. 
All right, y'all, coming up on the Chop Up is a good friend of mine representing the east side of Kansas City, Missouri. When I tell y'all we go back, we go way back. He goes by the name of Raleigh, and this song is called Wig Split. Now, here you'll see his relaxed flow, his gritty lyrics, and his natural gift of floating around the beat. If you don't believe me, check out verse 2. It's featuring City Watts, and it's on the project called The Steeds, which you can find on SoundCloud. What's the SoundCloud? It's Riley, P-M-P, R-I-L-E-Y-P-M-P, on SoundCloud.com. Right now, y'all, check it out. It's about to get real. This is called Wig Split. Don't pass me no papers. We in the hills. Uh, I really got them problems cause my niggas solve Shouts out to my plug, a lot of drugs when I fly in the mall I just came to Cali and this shit feels awesome So I start talking shit cause I might just catch a lawsuit Spent the rack for the base, I'm addicted honest It's two sands in my fanta, I'm addicted honest I'm never fucking up the count, so precise with numbers Never running out of weed, we smoking out them onions I'm headed back to my trap, I know that shit been jumping It's three hundred for a O, they know my shit is thunder Foreign women sniffing coke, I tell her take my number Houses in the hills with my nigga Donald Private reserves, we roll it in the fronto Making all these plays, trying not to fumble World full of fakes, trying to stay humble Wax on the weed, it make them blunts bubble Keep on talking shit, you gon' get your fucking wig split Pull up with my niggas, I'm just trying to hit a quick Get your fucking wig
Yo, yo, that was some high music. Appreciate the submissions, y'all. Remember to hit us up at the chop up email at gmail.com. Appreciate yeah. the love. Appreciate you sending it in. Keep on sending it in. We'll put some, keep on putting some dope music on air. But we're going to go ahead and jump, jump into the political chop. Now, America has collectively said, what the fuck, you know? <laughs> and Donald Trump is the president-elect of these United States of America. And so how, how are you feeling like about that? How are you digesting that? Or how have you seen people feeling and digesting about that? What's, what's going on? I mean, I'm disgusted. But <laughs> I'm disgusted. <laughs> I mean, but it's like unsurprisingly disgusted. Like, I'm grossed out and I'm really sad because mm. it's not only Donald Trump, but it's a long line of institutional alignment with everything that is wrong about this country that really makes it scary. Like, it wasn't just mm. the fact that Donald Trump won. That's bad enough in and of itself. He's chosen a lot of problematic people to be a part of his cabinet, That's to be a part of the administration. Very troubling. Like, and so, again, disgusting. But it's like, yo, people are like, yo, Donald Trump ain't going to be able to stand for that. Somebody going to sneak up on him and assassinate him. Mm. Sure. Somebody's like, oh, it's cool. He got these cases in court. Da, 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 da. He's going to get convicted of sexual assault or charged of sexual assault or convicted. Right? He's, already nope. been, he's not. Been, has he been charged? No. Nope. Uh, whatever. But sure, here's my thing. Sure, whatever the status of his legal issues is, whatever the outcome is, say for instance, they get him out of office for one reason or another. You still have a army, an army, a line of even worse Republicans and conservatives behind him ready to hold up the vanguard and to stand. It's like he planned it. The, you know what I'm saying? Like, like y'all kick me out. He, you don't have your boy Pence. He, listen, and Mike Pence is even worse. He's the person who's the political strategist who knows how to get legislation through, through who has the relationships, who has the, the political credibility. He's more dangerous than Donald Trump. And so, it, like, what do you do? The, the House and the Senate is Republican. Right. There are 39 out of 50 Republican governors. Uh, he's about to appoint the next Supreme Court justice who will very likely be very scathingly yeah. uh, conservative. So, affects everybody. I, that's bottom to the top. No matter who you, no matter which direction you look in, it's red coats coming. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the funniest meme I've seen on this, it was, it's like, this meme that's like every version of the Red Ranger. And they're like, this is what uh, American politics look like right now. And it's just like, it's like every version of the Red Ranger. Red, it's like 15 Red Rangers oh, online. Now that's serious. And that basically re- represents our government. That is like, serious. That is front. And it, it tickled me and it made me laugh, but it was so, it was a scary reality to kind of come to terms with this fact that. Um, there are little glimpses of hope for a lot of the more progressive ideas and expectations that a lot of people have in this country, particularly following eight years of Barack Obama. And so now we got four with Trump, at least four, at least all this power in the house and the Senate, what it's going to take to change any of this is he's going to have to lose. <clears throat> excuse me, he's going to have to mess up, rather, and they're going to have to get tired of him because if they don't mm-hmm. get tired of him, and Lord forbid he start doing stuff that white folks like, um, hey. he's going to stay and be relevant and get another term, and that's going to be eight years. We, we should just plan be on him being there, you know, for now. Uh, I don't think he's um, going nowhere. We under, I feel like we underestimated or I don't know, maybe, yeah, underestimated the fact that he could be elected because we, I think we all just was 
were believing that it was going to be Hillary. And that was just kind of the undertones of the conversations you would have around about yeah. people. So I think we, I mean, every single part, every, I think everybody was shocked in the part. Donald Trump and them. Yeah. I he was saw his face. CNN. You, I mean, and I was listening to CNN the nights of uh, the night that the election results were coming in, and they were talking about the different camps, you know, Hillary camp versus Donald Trump camp, and kind of the moves and sentiments there. And at first, they were talking about how vibrant and lively it was uh, to uh, be around the Hillary supporters and to be around the campaign and the, and the party, and everybody was up and lively and having a good time. And then a couple hours later, it was somber and sullen, and people started crying, and the exact opposite was happening mm. over at Donald Trump headquarters. They was in their lit. Mm-hmm. Honey turned up to the max. Oh, I yeah. was like, oh, okay. Um, I heard Hillary to tell went me off. A lot. <clears throat> I believe it. She went off. I believe it. I mean, when you get caught by surprise, that's what it is. And she blames a whole lot of these issues on um, the FBI investigation that was opened up. And I think it was the investigator Homely, Comely, um, mm-hmm. or FBI director Comely, um, opened up that investigation again. And I really do feel like that was a death knell um, in a lot of ways. It brought back a lot of issues that I think people were massaging away, tensions that they were trying to forget about, trying to be optimistic about things, particularly in the face of the Donald Trump grabbing by the pussy videos mm-hmm. and yada, yada, yada. They were really just like, okay, we can't do this. Um, but I, I feel like and for some people, it took them into uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and they were just like, oh my God, she's terrible. We can't do this at all. Um, yeah. And that was it. Like, I really feel like people had some negative flashbacks from that. It was like, never again. We can't trust it. We can't do it. Benghazi, um, Goldman mm. Sachs. Um, say no more not her I'm not with her and they were willing to stick to that particularly apparently uh, white women uh, who yeah. were leading the pack that was surprising and I was I was Trump. really really surprised about that like okay white ladies as much as they wanted to I thought they wanted to make history and hurrah mm-hmm. hooray maybe it wasn't maybe it, I don't know if maybe I can't tell whether it is that we're not ready as a society and women as a, as a society are not ready to move forward. Mm-hmm. And so they didn't elect her because it's just not time. And they we're, we're, we give too much credit to social consciousness for feminism or feminism mm-hmm. and how they work. Or whether they just really wasn't banging with Hillary Clinton. It's hard to really figure that part out. Like, was it her? Or was it what she represented? And you really are fine with being subordinate to men and their ability to dictate not only you, who you are, what you're able to do, but your body as a living organism on this planet. I couldn't separate the two. Or they were just sticking with their men. I don't know. But they outvoted their men. <laughs> like, that was the surprising part. Yeah, so. but they, I don't know. It's Those are the more, you know, more emphatic supporters, you know, were the, were the white men that, that you would see and hear about True. and you know, all that. True. So I was, when I saw that, I was kind of thinking that too. I was saying, well, maybe they they took the lead of the, of the men on this when they saw how passionate they were about it, or how how fiery they were about it. All right, all right, let me let me go ahead and rock rock with them this time. I suppose. Um, either way, <laughs> I mean, it was just I one call. of the things. I'm like, I was just really, I was I was surprised to see that as far as the results. So it made me think, like you know, all type of stuff, but that one in particular. Well, I like. 
I again, I think it gives us more and more reason, particularly me as a black woman, but also mm-hmm. people in general, people who understand or trying to understand feminisms, uh, more and more support when they say like we are reasonably skeptical and have a healthy amount of skeptical for these things called feminism because mm-hmm. generally feminism denotes white feminism and this notion of equality and equal access. And the equal right to thrive and grow and do whatever is largely contingent on personal self-serving needs. And so Mm -hmm. what that tells me, particularly when white women play such an integral role in their familial units, is that they're doing what they're doing and what they have to do to protect themselves and their own. The same way white men have done historically, structurally, and institutionally to protect their own. Now they're Mm -hmm. playing their part in preserving whiteness Mm -hmm. and white supremacy. Like, that is really the bottom line of it. And it's the only thing that we can really call it and that's why it's so important that we have to to for us to get out of this language of solely racism and only explaining the dynamics of racism and really get to understanding anti-blackness as it exists because a whole lot of the way things have existed even though these issues are not are have not been tied up in raciality are able to be explained by anti-blackness right by the mm. sy- the, the the systematic uh establishing of objects versus subjects people with power versus subordinates and how those relationships play out in a bunch of different dynamics and it ends up valuing and privileging individuals like white women in systems and structures and institutions like the united states federal government and the united states of america it just does Mm. but i'm not gonna get too heavy i'm not gonna (laughs) preach no more um what i will say is that the other side of this issue, Mm -hmm. um, outside of what we saw with white women and white men and how they voted and how they came out in droves to support Donald Trump, is we had this other side of white people, right? These incensed white people who were just utterly pissed off and taken aback by the selection of Donald Trump. Yeah, like more more so, like it's a lot of, the Trump supporters were quiet. Very sneaky and very... (laughs) silent about their support Mm. and then as their election results came in some of them got a little bit more indignant but it's still a whole bunch of whispering trump supporters out there yeah however what we heard a whole lot more of is these other people right yeah i almost like found myself telling them to hang in there (laughs) (laughs) what you mean like i was uh (laughs) like i want to be like hang in there sport you know it'd be all right yeah you know what i'm saying Cause it was down in the dumps, I tell you. Yeah, like, uh, I was, it was, and it was white women. I, like, these are just passing conversations that just around me. I'm like, you know, people everywhere are talking about the election. So, oh man, that was that was uh something that they were talking about. Like, you know, the the, the hate crimes are starting now. I'm like, I was just, you know, rolling my eyes. Like, are you kidding me? Like, now they're starting. No, they they now they've been here. So it just yeah. It it made me more aware than I already was that you know white people ain't they ain't even they ain't seen nothing. They ain't yeah. ready. Nah, they not <laughs> they, ready. They, they not ain't ready. Seen nothing like like. And, and don't get me wrong, don't get it twisted. It, there's definitely a moment, a period rather of mourning, of sadness amongst myself amongst other people of color i know uh against other marginalized individuals i know because it's not just people of color who are affected by his decisions uh queer identifying individuals Mm -hmm. uh, are definitely highly impacted by his decisions 
um, not to mention disabled people, people with various uh, abilities in their bodies who were mocked and ridiculed um, by his words and by his interaction with them in the media. Like a lot of different um, marginalized people in general, poor people, black people, brown people, uh, Muslims, Mexicans, right, right. Uh, the, entire, the entire Latino population, like just generally and categorically done wrong by him. But um, white people, it seemed to sting them a whole lot harder or a whole lot more, so much so that they really went out and started to endeavor to like do stuff like starting to wear safety pins. Uh, have you heard about this? What do you know about the safety pins? Uh, I don't think I know about the safety pins. I ignored it. I just saw a bunch of white oh. people doing it. and Right, right. This was like, oh, me just keep moving. Here's the key thing. You saw a bunch of white people doing it. You see nobody else doing that shit. Yeah, I didn't see no black people <laughs> doing it or talking about it. So I was like, oh, they ain't got nothing to do with me. So That should be your first indication that it's full of shit, which it is, right? I didn't so, know it had nothing to do with the... Yeah, so I didn't. I ain't no mm-hmm. shit. Like. <laughs> so there's a meme floating around, um, and also there was this whole movement. It was cute for like two days until really I saw it and got glimpses of it before the criticisms of it started. Wait, it's wait, what is it? it? What is it? Okay, let me go back. Yeah. What is so it? the pen, the pen in and of itself, the safety pen. White people have been, or I'm sorry, allies of oppressed peoples have mm, been encouraged to put this right. Let me stand back and make sure I'm <laughs> speaking appropriately about the people involved. So um, people with power, privileged individuals are to wear these safety pins on their bodies as like a silent representation of the fact that they're an ally, that they are safe, that they are someone who um, will stand up for individuals who stand, who, you know, believes in the rights and equality of everybody who, um, has not stood by idly and allowed the system to be our problematic and messed up. And basically uh, it's, um, an outward gesture of like, I'm here for you. Uh, like I'm with you. Um, and I stand with you. What's, what's and the so phrase? similar. We didn't, you know, what, what we didn't, we didn't come for them. You know, we didn't, we didn't send for them. Without, oh I'm, yeah, I'm don't that whole listen. Thing up, uh, but you know what do, I'm saying. Do not come for me unless I've sent for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we and they weren't sent for. Oh, that's crazy. And but no, actually, I think the, the I, I oh. think the contrary is true though. I think they were sent for, and mm. in place of being sent for, they were sent fucking safety pins and shit. Yeah, like, yeah, just not what you. You stupid. Yeah, that is terrible. That's crazy. That is terrible. I, um, that makes that, what was you about to say? Because when you were when you were giving me the rundown with that, I remember you sent me uh, a message. Or I don't remember what it was. It was some type of forum, and it was talking about some someone white people were trying to be allies and were trying to confront someone that was being was it verbally abusive. Do you remember what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah. So it was a Facebook post. Okay. And, okay. Um. A friend of mine posted it and was like, hey, so I have this dilemma. I would really like to know what I should do in the event that I am witnessing uh, somebody being like harassed and being problematically engaged like on some racist shit. So he's like, I was in this gas station and uh, the person in front of me was talking their interaction with the attendant before he they actually started their interaction. Oh, the gas attendant like spoke on his phone in whatever his native his native language was mm-hmm. and so the guy who was at the register was like hey you know hang up talking in your language and shit like that like we in america now you got to speak english mm-hmm. um donald trump is a president and mm-hmm. it was really kind of appalling and startling and so my homeboy is just sitting there he's in the cuts he's not really saying anything and he didn't know what to do 
because it was like, I don't want to be a bystander in this situation, but I also don't want to accelerate it in a way that is problematic. Right. Now, so he's like, what should I do? The comments start flowing in. He's a white man, so more white people start chiming in and, and giving advice. And at first, like, I felt warm and tingly because we've been demanding that white people get get like what is it like right. get your mans right like get your mans like mm-hmm. go holler at them and so I, I enjoy white people being in the conversation and being a part of the comments like yo uh you should be doing this and that's unacceptable and this is some bullshit and blase blase and cool like they were just like really upset about the fact that this person experienced uh this and, you know, had zero tolerance for it. But here's mm-hmm. where the pivot came. And here's where I was like, let me slow down mm-hmm. with my congratulations for these white people. And that's because every comment was like, oh, this is so terrible. We should never let this happen. But I don't know what I would do if it turned physical. Yeah, or, that's oh, what it was. That's what it was. This is so bad. This is so terrible. But I, I wouldn't know how to respond. Or I, I wouldn't want to accelerate it to the point where somebody was targeting me or wanted to get mad at me. And I like this is that bullshit that's that bullshit this is this is that bullshit this man was being berated Mm -hmm. for doing what he knows to do and what he probably came out of the womb on this earth to do or what he was told to do and how he was told to speak to communicate with the people who love and cherish him the most that really make his life worth living that give him a quality of life that are his network are his people that he vibes with and connects with on a personal and intimate basis probably people who influence the business that he's doing Mm -hmm. or at the very least make him the person that he is the person able to push the button and turn your damn gas on in the first place so what makes me mad is the audacity for some people to sit back and like not think about his life being on the line in that moment and the fact that he doesn't get the chance to negotiate whether Mm. or not it'll cause him bodily harm to interact with this man and say what he has to say to defend himself Mm. like that's privilege right there Man, you trying to figure out how to get turned, come to terms with your privilege. You can save your little Dollar Tree uh, safety pins for somebody else. Save them for your clothes. Well, it's physical. Like when you, huh? They. Uh, now I'm just saying. Like I'm sorry, I was just kind of repeating what you said. Like you know, when it gets physical, that's 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 the line. Like oh, can't can't cross that one. But our bodies been on the line from Jump Street, and our bodies have been what made us. Uh, what without getting too much into the theory theory, like what made us nothing but flesh Mm -hmm. what made us not real humans but something to be bartered bartered and traded and sold and used as a resource and raped and pillaged and taken over and abused and overused and is the fact that you just see us as bodies Mm -hmm. you don't see yourself as a body that can be an abused and beat on or whatever it's something to be preserved it's something to be considered and be thought about but not everybody gets the luxury of being like, oh, but what if I get hit? Mm-hmm. Oh, but what if somebody gets mad enough to slap the shit out of me? Mm-hmm. Like, no, it just happens to us. And it's always just happened to us. I mean, it, it was good to see that in that, in that forum. Like, when you see me there, I was like, oh, well, well, there it is. You know, if it gets physical, we, we know where our allies are, will, will yeah. be, you know? Way over there in the corner somewhere trying to figure out what to do next. Mm-hmm. So. That and was- what pissed me off? Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, go. I was going to say, even outside of that situation, like one of the things that pissed me off was like before the criticisms of the pen really started floating around, Mm -hmm. um, that first day I went to the grocery store and I feel like I ran into a lady with a pen on, but this lady like wouldn't look me in my face for (laughs) real. Like wasn't like she was acting real awkward. Like it was just, we had this really 
weird interaction at the store where it was like at first she ignored me and couldn't see me and it was like she kept staring at me so it's that hyper visible hyper invisible binary black people are in where either they don't exist or they over exist Mm -hmm. and they're the point of all your focus and attention and but she had this pin on and i was like why the hell do you have this pin on (laughs) you do not care about me you are not here for me you're not you don't like your attitude has not changed you're just wearing this to feel good about yourself Mm mm-hmm Cause it's trendy, cause it's the end thing to do. But you really have no like literal connection to the message that you're trying to communicate to people. You're not safe. I don't feel comfortable coming to you. If somebody's harassing me and bullying me, I don't think you would stand up for me. Cause you treat me like shit. Mm-hmm. And all we doing is trying to walk in the store and get to get some popcorn. Like <sighs> I don't understand people. Come on, come on, white people. What? But what? What are black people gonna do now that Trump is president? We doing anything that's different? That's a question. We, we, I hope. That, I, that's what I was hoping for. That we would. I think. You know, you know, ramp up the the organizational efforts that are going on in in the cities, and you know, just being prepared for um, whatever. Really, you know, the good or bad that that may come. But I've seen, that we're black, organized. I've seen a lot of black people go get guns. I've mm. been seeing a lot of people on my timelines and stuff like that really go ahead and either get gun licenses, apply for them, buy mm. firearms. I mean, it's all been through. It's been legal means. Like a lot of people are really just taking advantage of their rights as citizens, especially uh, if a lot of these extremists, white folk are going to go and have their collection uh SWAT teams worth of guns and stuff like that prepared. Mm-hmm. They like, cool, I'm gonna go do it too. So that's one of the ways I've seen a lot of black people respond in terms of readiness. I'm scared. Mm-hmm. Guns are heavy. They make me feel weird. <laughs> but um I feel you. Yeah. I, I definitely am here with you. And should I get to that point where I feel like I need one, I definitely am down to get it, particularly walking around here uh in Anaheim, California. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we in a open carry state, seen seen a guy today had his uh pistol on his hip. Mm. You know, it's just you know, never know when when things may turn, but prepare today uh, for tomorrow's success. I heard somewhere, something like it. Yeah, so I just I'm exhausted, but I also think too it's more than just black people getting guns. Mm. Um, I haven't seen that though. I I didn't see that type of reaction. What else? What else? You, have, have you have you saw? Uh, and like you said, a lot of people rallying around organizations. We saw a lot of marching. We saw a lot of people angry and distressed and protesting. We've seen that all, all across the country, and I love that. Um, I've never been one to bag on protests proper. I think they are bad when they don't have a direction after that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think protests should be used and have been used historically to get attention. Uh, the question becomes, once you have the attention, what is the next step? What becomes of this traction that you're getting? Um, and so excuse me, I think a lot of my questions resolve and lie there. Um, now that you've collected, what's the general message, mm-hmm. right? You've gotten all these bodies together. You've gotten a mask. you got people behind things. Um, and so I want to know what to do. I also want to try to take advantage of linking up with a whole lot more of what's happening around me. And so I'm starting to do my own research about what's happening up in the LA area. So I can start sliding up there and getting and being a part of something that's mm-hmm. just bigger than um, sitting by and reporting on and talking about these issues and having smaller conversations. I want to be a part of a larger conversation. So I've, I've been seeing just a lot of people generally encourage people to do just that. And that's get plugged in with operations and movements around them and not just kind of protest, rah, rah, movements, mm-hmm. institutions. This is a time to go back to teaching. 
young people. This is about educating a, a new generation. This yeah. is about um, encouraging and inspiring community politics and community engagement, connecting organizations and connecting resources with people that are going to need them real, real bad once a lot of health clinics and a lot of free health care starts closing down, when a lot of uh, educational resources start to dry up. A lot of people are planning for that mm-hmm. and trying to just really connect uh, people with people so that when the worst of it comes, when a lot of budget comes, starts cuts start to come, when a lot of tax breaks don't hit the neighborhoods where they should, when a lot of that gentrification keeps going and a lot of these community spaces end, end up being taken and closed down, what you know we plan for and strategize for in terms of how we keep ourselves intact and we continue to survive and even thrive in those types of conditions. And so I've just seen a lot of the people that I'm connected with and that I know and that I don't know mm-hmm. um, through viral viral material and different things on Tumblr and Snapchat and Twitter, uh, really trying to connect dots and, and keep keep with staying, each other and just be there connected. for each other. Yeah, like not mm-hmm. getting tired of no dapple, mm-hmm. not being quiet about the water in Flint, mm-hmm. um, not getting lazy in terms of uh, demanding just general educational equality. It was a video that came out with a, a teacher in Baltimore, a city, a school outside of Baltimore, uh, telling some kids that if they don't act right, I guess they was acting up in class or whatever, that they was going to be some niggers. Um, hard R. And so a, a lot of attempts to resalvage the classroom and, and get back control of, of things. But you you see, it don't stop. Mm. It don't stop. We get a bad president one day, and and and, and I wouldn't be surprised if we heard mm. of another shooting or yeah. something ignorant happen here pretty soon. With that case, I also saw that... Uh, the officer who shot uh, Philando Castillo. Castillo, yeah, was was charged today. We'll see if he's actually he was charged with second degree manslaughter. manslaughter. We'll see if he gets convicted. No, but, but manslaughter though. After the uh, the after the DA read that you know it pretty much was no reason his gun was in his pocket. You know everything that was that came out that we heard about he it. Volunteered, it he was volunteered true. the information about having a gun. Yeah, no, in good faith. And he shot and him seven times. Yeah, and they they gave him the least. You know the least well, charge. And the reason why what was stupid is I hate the fact they gave him the least charges, but the reason why they said they did the prosecutor was because they wanted to hit him with charges that stick. Now, what does that tell you about how messed up the, mm, the system is? I didn't hear that. Is that mm. you having a you having a badge uh, automatically whatever you do with it, it, it takes you out of the domain of murder. Because yeah. you had a badge on, because you had a um uh a, a uniform on you couldn't have possibly murder someone. It has to be manslaughter, right? Your charges to me Especially when I feel it's like a black body. Get downgraded. Exactly. But that should that was murder that had murder written all over it. Yeah, that's exactly what like, I read. You know, what we heard, it was boom, right there. The prosecutor I think was quoted as saying no reasonably acting police officer anywhere would think that any of the circumstances r- 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 uh, surrounding that interaction would necessitate deadly force. Mm-hmm would necessitate the, the discharging of a weapon. It made a dog on there not even necessitated the, the drawing of a weapon because he volunteered the fact that he had a gun in the vehicle and that he was licensed to carry it. He didn't say he was getting it. He didn't mm-hmm. say he was reaching for it. But one of the things the prosecutor said was the very existence of a gun, like in the general vicinity, was not a reason to open fire, to pull your weapon, or to even have it available. Mm-hmm. Like the the just the fact that a gun is somewhere does not mean it's time to shoot. That's not what that means. It just, it's not. Just like it's food in my refrigerator right now. I mean, ironically, it is dinner time for me. But had I, you know, once mm. I eat, 
I be done sat down and ate, it's still food in my kitchen. That don't mean it's time to eat again. Right. Right? Just because it's food, that don't mean it's time to eat. Just because my car's outside, don't mean I'm going to jump in and drive around. Right? That's not necessarily, one has nothing to do with the other, if you really want to sit back and think. So, a gun being there does not necessitate using, um, not even equal, but opposite and extravagant force against this individual. And so, I mean. He's, he's not, I mean, I would love to see him walk, walk through, uh. Through them prison gates. I think it's a maximum of 20 years sentence, but that's a max. Mm-hmm. So he gets a conviction and it gets two years of some old bullshit. And then here we are back having the same conversation again. Ugh. But I don't know. Bottom line is white folk got to get it together. And um, really what that looks like. We've been telling you. So to mm-hmm. sit here and continue to look to us as being the choir directors, the, uh, ever perpetuated conductors of our own liberation is just disrespectful slap in the face and y'all stupid for in the pins. So, mm. uh, I hope you listen. I'm glad I ignored it. <laughs> I think by now everybody should have backed away from the pins and ran the opposite direction. But just in case you're thinking about it, don't you put that shit on. Mm. You good. Do, some- <laughs> <laughs> Straight up. Do something a little bit more meaningful, please. And thank you. Hey, we are about to jump into the next jam. This has been a political chop. I think we talked real good about Trump and his foolishness. Y'all don't be dismayed or discouraged. If y'all, uh, I know y'all didn't vote for him. If you listen to the chop up, I know you didn't vote for Donald Trump. Nah. Uh, but listen, it's going to be all right. And to guarantee that, we're going to play some jams just to get us through these moments before we jump into the reality chop. You know what it is. It's a chop up. The name of the song coming up is called Bad Guy, and it comes from two artists representing Omaha, Nebraska. They go by the names of the Midwest Depressed and Bricks. I like this song because the vibe of it is just crazy. I mean, it's a heavy guitar flow mixed in with a content and a message you just feel. So if you like it like I do and you want more, get on SoundCloud and check them out at the Midwest Depressed. SoundCloud.com slash the Midwest Depressed. This is Bad Guy, coming to you live on the Chop Up. Bad Guy Lord knows That music is amazing. As G mentioned earlier in the show, make sure that if you have a submission, be it poetry, hip hop, spoken word, you got some singing, you got some instrumentals, bring it to us. Give it to us. We want to play it right here on the chop up, the chop up email at gmail.com. Make sure you send in your submission. You feel me? Hey. Hey. All right, G. So, what? I, 
I one of my favorite segments personally because it always gets really, really, really real. You know what it is? It's the reality chop. And this week, uh, for the session, I had a good chance to talk to a friend of mine. Um, you all are kind of only acquaintances. You know each other through the Facebooks and through mm-hmm. some groups and some Tumblr stuff. Uh, but my boy Jordan, uh, representing the Black Wallflower, I had a chance to sit down and talk to him about the project of the Black Wallflower, what he's up to, and particularly um, about. Uh, the mental health of young black people and young people of color right now that's really out here trying to get in. We had a great conversation. Um, what do you what do you what do you think about the current state of black mental health and, and where we are with that issue in society? Um, I think it's something that we definitely need to be more comfortable talking about. Uh, something in in my life I've been uh, looking to improve. So I'm really excited that Jordan is. Um, joining you to sit down and uh and talk about mental health as as far as people black people young black people um disenfranchised disenfranchised you know especially after this election i think mm-hmm. everybody's mental mental comments took a little blow so mm-hmm. i don't know it's it's a relevant conversation oh yeah definitely definitely so i'm i'm really excited that, that uh jordan is joining us and ever since you told me about the black wildflower i've been it's been very intriguing to, to check the post and it's very very educating and very uh, stimulating. So, well, shoot, let's let the stimulation flow. I got a chance to sit down with Jordan and have a brief conversation, do a little back and forth, just to get some more insight about what the Black Wallflower is up with or up to. And rather, I want to uh, just let you all take a peek into the conversation that we had. We'll vibe it real quick and we'll be right back. All right, what's up, y'all? I am uh, sitting down and having the amazing opportunity to talk to my homie Jordan, representing NYC. What's up, Jordan? What's good? What's good, Toya? What's good, everybody? How are y'all? Uh, I'm hopefully everybody good. It's just me and you right now because Cam G is uh, in the Dallas, Texas, chilling out, waiting to hear back from our interaction. But I wanted to sit down and talk to you right now, mostly because um, I think especially in light of the Kid Cudi issue that we had a couple weeks ago. But not only that, but just generally society right now being wild, there is a unique need for what you double dabble in. And that is uh, looking at and taking a closer look at black people and their emotional and mental health. And so um, I was hoping to sit, just kind of pick your, your brain a little bit about the Black Wallflower. Um, it is a new idea and concept. It's an evolving project that I've seen pop up on Facebook. Yeah. I know you got the Tumblr out there. Um, it's all types of appendages to it, blogs and stuff going on. We got the homie Nate um, holding down um, the other half of it and really doing That's things. But I, I want to ask you more about the Black Wallflower. So first and, for, first and foremost, rather, uh, what is it? What, what What is the Black Wallflower? Uh, the black wallflower, like one day, uh, Nate, like, cause Nate lives in Baltimore, but like Nate and I've been chilling for a while for like a year or so through debate or whatever. And like one day Nate put on Facebook, he was like, yo, who's trying to start a blog with me? And I remember cause like, I was like, I was sitting on the toilet, like, oh shit. I was scrolling through my Facebook. <laughs> I was like, damn, I'm trying to start a blog. Like this nigga's real. Like I really want to start a blog. Like I think that like, it's something that, you know, I have a lot to say. Instead of just using Facebook, I was like, maybe we could create a blog, figure it out. So I hit Nate right. up in his inbox and was like, yo, we should start a blog. And Nate and, Nate and Nate and I was talking. We was like, yo, we should start a blog about, like, blackness and mental health. And then once he said that, it, like, all kind of clicked in my head because, like, for, like you know, being black, you kind of go through a bunch of things that happen to you because you're black and that affect your mental health. Like, you know, whether for Nate, it's like him being a black kid in Baltimore. For me, like, being somebody who's black in New York City, but also being someone who's black that goes to school in upstate New York and Binghamton, it was like, it took a toll on my mental health when I first got here. It was like, it put me in a situation which I didn't really understand, like, 
one, how is it that the world is like articulating itself towards me because I'm black? And like, how is it that like I'm supposed to like, I guess, perform in the world because I'm black? And like, what does that look like to, I guess, to be, uh, to produce like a cohesive environment for myself and the people around me? So then, uh, so then Nate and I was just like, we should create a blog. And Nate already had the name for it. Nate actually created the name Black Wallflower. And I was like, that's fine. Like, Nate created the name and like it was just something that he really like, wanted to do and it was perfect because it just like made sense and there's a tattoo on nate's neck that has like a flower coming out of it and um the tattoo on his neck is kind of like kind of like it's like the the idea for like the idea the of black wallflower comes from like kind of the tattoo on his neck and also the idea that like black folks are the black are the black flowers that grow from like the walls the cracks in the wall kind of thing and like Mm -hmm. there was just a focus on like even though we are flowers, we're grown, and we still black wallflowers that are still able to grow and flourish kind of thing. Right on. And so, you specifically mentioned, I think, in that explanation, that is designed for individuals, black folk in particular, who are looking for, like, that emotional outlet. I think it's, like, dope in the things that I've seen because it explores... Uh, like emotional and mental health outside of the ramifications of like a diagnosis. You know what I'm saying? I think a lot of people um, are skeptical about questions of mental health and skeptical about talking about their mental health because they feel like the bottom line of it is I have to sit down in front of somebody with a white coat and somebody has to tell me something's wrong with me and then somebody prescribes me some type of medication that's going to do this and that to me and make me feel some type of way and I don't really want to do those things to expose myself. But I really think having these types of conversations in these spaces gets a away from attaching a mental health to a question of ever going inside of a doctor's office because it deals with the day-to-day, right? Yeah. Y'all are having day-to-day conversations and dealing with day-to-day people and day-to-day circumstances that really shape the landscape for how people feel. But I, I think you 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 start talking real uh, interestingly when you talk about um, this need to just connect with being the black flowers that grow out of cracks, that grow out of those crevices, that grow out of those interesting places that most people either don't that care about, don't think about, or underestimate. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I really vibe with that. Like, what's crazy about it is, I guess, like, when the uh, the black wallflower first started, like, I didn't, I kind of didn't, I just thought about it as a project that would, like, be a quick little month two project. It wasn't really something that, like, I assumed that we can, like, I guess make a connection around this, like, the United States pretty much because like now we have a network mm-hmm. of people who like of over like 200 people or whatever, who are literally like have never met each other, but are still having discussions with each other about like, like somebody will post in the group that we have and be like, yo, I'm having a bad day. Like, what is it that y'all do to get through this bad day? And it'll legit be like 60 different people that just respond, whether it be like memes, music, like whether it be like paintings or just sending like good energy, good vibes type of stuff. Like it's things yeah. like that, that kind of like, just allow for people to create to like feel as if they're around a community of people even though like you could be in new york city and you never met somebody living all the way in california or living yeah, somewhere or you like can wherever be, the hell you know and maybe a group of people or in a circle where you feel like you're familiar you know what i mean like it's yeah. really interesting how alienating it can be to be around people and be around and in circumstances and it's a lot of moving around it's a lot of you know, shuffling and going in and going out going on, but you don't really feel like you were a part of that, you know? So to reach out into these spaces and, and feel that connection is, is wild. Like it's, it's really interesting. Definitely. It's one of those, it's, it's like, it's one of those things where Nate and I realized that even though like I, for instance, I haven't seen Nate since we like brought up this black wallflower project. Like I haven't seen my man's in mad long, but right. like, it's one of those things where like, even though I haven't, <laughs> you would never know it. 
Like, even though I haven't seen my mans in mad long, like, you would never know it. Because, like, the black wallflower is what allows us to just, like, we have a point where we could just sit down and, like, I, whether it's, like, at our computers or phones or whatever, whether we FaceTime or whatever, just sit down and have conversations to ask, like, what, do, what are we going through that we think other people are going through? And how is it so that we could, like, bridge the gap? Because, like, I'm open about whatever happens on Facebook. Nate's open about whatever happens about most of the stuff that happens in our lives and on Facebook or whatever. So like not, not everybody wants to be that open. So I guess we, we decide to have conversations as to like, how is it that we can put ourselves in situations that allow people to have discussions about like when, what about their mental health? Like when Nate's writing, when Nate's sitting down and writing about like his relationship to his, to like Baltimore as a black kid, like that's something that like, even though like I'm not from Baltimore, I'm from New York city, like there's relationships to the, to those, to like the way in which he lives his, his life because he's black. Like, his parents treat him a certain like his his relationship with his parents is because he is a black child. Like those relationships occur, and most black people can relate to those relationships where their parents are like, oh, like whether it be like being queer is weird, be, being queer is weird, or whether it be like a, a resistance to like you going outside or like trying to keep you inside the home because that's just what like some black parents decide to do or whatever. But it's one of those things where like we can just we've just figured out a way to like put our emotions into a project that's kind of like at this point just on Facebook I guess like mostly like the major aspect of the project is just on Facebook because we are like in the like in the works of making a website or whatever but I think because it's just based on Facebook we figured out ways to like use all our friend groups and kind of have our friend groups meet online but never really meet each other like our world's are like colliding in a very interesting way. For instance, like there's people at my university and people like from like that live in New York City that are having discussions with people in debate that like wouldn't that's a, a gap that like has never been bridged before. You know, like yeah, I mean, uh, I have a couple of friends inside of the group myself that's just like I was just like, hey, we had this conversation. I really feel like this space might be a good place for you to either pick up some good energy and good vibes or pick up some of the jams that's going on or like you said some of just the many things that are being posted and shared across the board and even a lot of the intimate conversations uh that makes me think about something like i think you would talk for a second about bridging gaps and how um it allowed for you to fill voids and really be that conduit and that center piece between relationships and just you know how people are feeling uh do you think that there's unique need right now specifically in light of the election in light of a lot of things going on um socially in terms of black lives matter movements in terms of entire uh, exclusive list of people who can't be allowed in this country in terms of transgender bathroom laws it's a lot happening around us do you feel like you know, there's a unique need right now for this type of thing, or do you really feel like um, it's it's just filling a void that has already been there, or both? Uh, I think that uh, I think it's filling a unique need that has never really been addressed before. Because, for instance, like there's never has never been a space in which black people can or black people and people of color can have a discussion in which like they can have a discussion about one whether it be mental health, sexuality, music, like. Uh, street fashion, whatever it may be, that's actually run by black people. Like, for instance, there's all these, like, there's a bunch of media outlets that give us information about black people but aren't run by black people or those stories aren't written by black people. So, like, you have Vice, you have, like, uh, you have Vice, you have, like, The Fed, you have all these, like, media, I guess, media outlets that talk about, like, blackness, talk about black music, talk about mental health, but aren't from black perspectives. So, like, our goal is to pretty much fill the void that has never been filled before where that can allow black people and black creatives to just come and I guess one, like create a space in which we can showcase their work 
for to the mm. public showcase like you know whether it be dancing whether it be art whether it be uh public speaking whatever that work may be any way in which a black person can like perform themselves to the world is something that we'd want to show to people because that performance that that black person does makes them feel good about something like they it, it, right. it lets them you know like get through the day and get through the violence and get through whatever the hell it's life like, affirming it's yeah. life affirming and i think that's a whole lot of what needs to happen around us is just a, a big 10 for a big nod a big wink and gun a big something that lets people know that their existence is relevant and matters it's important it's important in that there's a space for it um even if it's not one that you can physically reach out and touch right you know what i'm saying like i think that in and of itself is just it's powerful and for that to be a nationwide movement i think says a whole lot about what people need you know what i'm saying people want this people are are asking and in need of like systems and structures to combat the systems and structures you know what i'm saying and right. systematically i think using platforms like facebook like the tumblr like the like the soon to come website all become like necessary components to to people getting through their day to day for sure like, it's funny because, like, people see me around, like, whether it be, like, campus or, like, my friends from high school, whoever it may be, and they're like, yo, you just be wilding on Facebook or, like, spitting facts on Facebook, whatever it may be. <laughs> but it's like, yeah, that's probably true. Like, I probably do be wilding on Facebook, but, like, whatever. I don't really care. Like, that's irrelevant. But I think right. that, like, what it does is it just allowed people to see that, like, I'm just, like, a regular, real-ass nigga. Like, this is just who I am. And I think, like, because of that, it allowed the Black Wallflower to just kind of, like, be... I guess, like, an authentic experience for, like, one, because Nate and I, like, we attempt to, like, bring our lives to the Facebook world, whatever, just because, like, we don't have Twitter, like, we just use, like, I don't write, I don't have a journal, so, like, Facebook right. is just kind of like that, like, <laughs> online journal shit, like, whatever. So, like, you know, like, we just, we were just hoping that be, due to us being open and honest on our Facebook that it would allow other people to feel like they could be open and honest and just, like, not, like, just say what you say, say how you feel. Like, even the other day, even if it means that, like, the Black Wallflower just on some funny shit, like, some, like, Everett posted in the group, he was like, yo, let's start a Kermit Frogs meme page or whatever. And, like, yo, that shit honestly was one of the greatest things ever. Like, it was just a great experience just to, like, just because every, like, just because there was no way that day that I could be sad because everybody, everybody was just posting hilarious memes. Like, the memes had just been so funny. And it's, like, and also, like, I guess... We figured out different ways to talk about mental health without, I guess, talking about mental health or like mental how is it so that like sure. how is it so that we deal with it? Because like a Kermit Frog meme post seems funny and whatever, and seems kind of redundant or mundane, but it actually just allows us to like if you're feeling bad or whatever about your day, you just look at these hella memes and hella people talking bullshitting about these memes that haven't seen each other in mad long, but like still chilling on the internet. Act like ain't like ain't no time pass. Yeah. I mean, and right. in those sometimes in those moments, you do just need time to stand still, right? It's a lot moving. It's a lot going on. You already feel like time to stand still. So why, why not find a little glimpse of joy or, or, you know, laughter or just, you know, whatever. And I mean, not to mention the commentary on it. You know, it's just you can readily and apparently see not only are people posting things, but people are enjoying yeah. this moment. It's like you in a room with some spades going, with some jams going, yeah. just just kicking back with your folks, just laughing about some foolishness yeah. um, through memes. You know what I'm saying? Which is, definitely, I think, just yeah. a, a shout out to our generation, you know, for coming up with yeah, these things that really capture life a whole, yeah. a whole lot of times and yeah. i mean sometimes they be too real they be, they be too, too real. real these Kermit <laughs> memes are too real the Kermit memes yeah. are just too real 
Speaking speaking of, of too real, um, I want to get to you. You talked about you and Nate kind of get into this endeavor together, and Nate really wanted to do the blog and tip and, and pull a whole lot of the words and sentiments and perspectives together in that form. But you seem to take like more of a musical pivot to it. That's always a component of what we talk about with the Black Wallflower. It's kind yeah, of conversation. Yeah. It's people engaging, but it's also always some anthem, some jam, some mixtape, some something, yeah. some playlist that accompanies. Uh, what people are working through and dealing with. So, what's what's the reason behind that? What's your angle with music? What what's what's up with Jordan and the Jams? What's, so like, what's up? Talk to me about that. For me, I guess like I used to. Uh, I don't know. I used to like assume that like oh we like an old hip hop had like music can only be like niggas got to talk about real shit. Like if you're not talking about like if you're not talking about what's going on in the world, the struggle or whatever, you're not really doing nothing for you know. That's how I used to feel. But then I guess right. as I got older, I started to realize that all music created by, you know, people, but specifically black people and people of color is telling you a story in which that like they've literally lived this experience and through this experience, they've gotten whatever it is that this artist may have gotten or whatever. But also through this, they also talk about like, how is it so that like if an artist goes through a death in the family or one of their friends passed away, like, how is it that they get over that death? And how is it that like the artist is truly to explain to you like, my nigga's dead, but, like, what does it mean now that my friend has died, and how is it so that, like, we live life together knowing that we can die at any point in time, which is really just these artists having a discussion of, like, social life within social death without using the word social death. Like, you know, when you, like, it's just, like, I guess it made me realize that we can bridge the gap between how are we feeling and what is it that, like, we listen to to then make, to then, I guess, help it be more coherent to ourselves. Like, for instance, like, recently I've been listening to, um, this Saba mixtape and Saba is this rapper who was on um like Chance the Rapper song Angels and he just dropped a uh um a mixtape what's the name of this mixtape no not a mixtape sorry an album called Bucket List Project and the album is just literally about like his bucket list like the, the, you know the bucket list things he wanted to do, do before he dies and it made me it, the album helped me realize that there's one skit on the album where he's talking he's like I just want to drop a project even if nobody listens to it the idea that I could just drop a project and I think that yeah. like you know, you listen to an album, it's like 45 minutes, 50 minutes, but like little five second clips of that stick with you and allow you to just realize that like shit will be like, you know, as long as you can, I guess shit will be all right. Like music kind of helps me, re- music really helps me realize that like I'm going to be all right because like if these niggas are going to be all right, I'm going to be all right. And it helped like literally Kid Cudi literally has stopped me from doing some crazy things to people. Like there's been instances <laughs> where I've been mad at people and I'll sit yeah. down listen to some, like, Kid Cudi, some Mr. Rager, or whatever it may be, and, like, it'll allow me to, like, put a scope on my life and just allow me to sit back and think, like, and, you know, which I'm grateful for, because Kid Cudi is literally telling people his life and explaining his depression or whatever and putting that on a song for you to listen to. So it's, like, you know, when I, especially, specifically when I was in high school, Kid Cudi dropped, like, uh, Man on the Moon 1 and 2, and it was just crazy because, like, that's how I felt as a high school student. So, you know, to now, you see, like, now you see artists, like, for instance, like, you have artists like Lil Yachty, who people are, like, don't really talk about much, but, like, he really is talking about something. I don't really think he's a great rapper, but I think that he's having a discussion where, like, this is what makes him feel good. This is how he heals around the world, and, like, people should just respect how he, like, this is an art that he heals, that helps him heal, and, like, it helps other people heal because they find humor in his music. I think that, like, his music makes them feel happy. So, like, it also... The Black Wallflower also just allowed me to realize that, like, 
Music and happiness can literally come from I ain't never heard anything. nobody really try to break down Lil Yachty like that. Like, I'm not gonna lie, I'm sitting here really like, thinking about what she's saying. Like, I gotta give respect to Lil Yachty, but I, I can understand like, and fathom a, a world where that is possible, where this is the message, the larger message. I mean, he's like, to articulate. It, it's like, it's like, like, I was just, I was listening to Common's new album today, which is like, it's fire. I forgot what song I was listening to, but Common was having a discussion of like, the prison industrial complex and like how it takes you away from the home, all this stuff, like crack or whatever. And I was like, damn, this is real. But it's right. Like, but it's like Migos and all these niggas, like they have the same analysis of like, there's an analysis of the prison industrial complex and an analysis that occurs of like real shit that people want to talk about. It's just, uh-huh. it just happens in a very different way. Like a very like, I'm not saying that like Lil Yachty's on my iPod or these people are on my iPod, but what I'm saying is like, I think that it allows it allows them to one heal because like they are black folk. That's probably that probably before they pop, before they got popping was living black life and was having crazy like crazy things were happening to them. Like they they didn't have no money. They was eating Definitely. mayo sandwiches, whatever it may be, doing whatever like <laughs> mayo sandwiches, Jordan? doing whatever. My dad, I don't you know how I feel about mayo. I know how you feel about it. Whatever. Yeah, that's that's what my dad be saying. He said he ate mayo sandwiches. I was like, damn, you wildin'. But whatever. Bless your father. I know. That's that's a that's a real one. But um, I, even it's funny because even yesterday, I was like watching um a Tupac interview, like uh, a Tupac interview, where like Angie Martinez was talking about how she was having an interview with Tupac when she was twenty two that she never released because she thought the the interview was literally going to get people killed. So it's interesting. Oh. It was it was crazy to see how like now obviously Tupac is no longer alive, but like right. the impact that Tupac has because Tupac was able to literally break down what goes on in the world around people to break it down in a way that anybody could understand it. Like you don't have to go to school, like you don't right. have to like you don't even have to know how to read. And Tupac and other artists are still able to break certain, still able to break things down and break down black life and still talk about the beauties of black life while still like admitting you know, like, whatever happens to black people is real. They still have, there's still these admissions, you know? Definitely. I mean, and I think that's one of the aspects of music that I guess I underestimate, and I think people underestimate, is that the bottom line of, outside of the message of the music, is the articulation of black life. And if we're to believe in this multiplicity of blackness, right, the fact that there is no one right or wrong way to be black, to do black, to live black, to experience blackness, and to maximize that black life, then, I mean, I think it's reasonable that we start to be a whole lot more reflective and think bigger about a lot of these components of what people are saying. Um, particularly if we find ourselves trying to judge the state of black people, like you're seeing it. If you're upset about it, that's a gauge, right? It's a, thermo- it's, it's a, a thermometer, if you will, right? It is telling you the temperature of where black people are right now. The sustenance that black folk have is and a lot of material things, right? They're finding their value and their worth in a couple different ways. One of it is showing uh, their craft. And like you were talking about with Lil Yachty, you know, making people happy and doing his thing and just kind of living and being free. My and the other half of it might be in just pizza. trying to get what they can. Like all this man Lil Yachty do, he's like, I just want peace and to eat some pizza. Like, huh. and I can vibe with that. Like, I'm a vibe with that. Like, I vibe with that. Like, you want? Peace <laughs> I mean, ever since ever pizza. since he said he could just get on a song and be like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and as long as they vibe into it, he don't care. And that's hip hop, and he ain't gotta have a sweet sixteen. I felt some type of way about that man. I'm not. I gonna felt lie. some type of way about that too. I felt some type of way about that too. I really felt. I felt some type of way, but I was like, damn, he really wilding. Like, let yeah. it just make sense. 
But then I kind of thought about it, and I was like, if it is true that like black, there is not like a monolithic thing of what blackness is, then why are we to assume that like there's a monolithic thing of black art that black people can produce that is only one thing and has to be boxed into one thing? Like, sure, it's like hip hop, or like yeah, there's old hip hop heads that like want common want a tribe called quest want all these like recreations of all these rappers and all these rappers are great but i think that like if it is true that like there's multiplicities of blackness like we was just talking about like then it would only make sense that those multiplicities would then be exhibited in music like it would it would only make sense like it would only make it would like it would only make sense like if like if all these like if all these what all these people say is true then it would only make sense that like rap sounds different from person to person like you know wow I mean, that's not, that's, that's no lies told right there. And I mean, I, I think if we call ourselves, if we ever really want to call ourselves conscious um, or whatever that's supposed to mean. And I use my air quotes when I say that, because I, I mean, you. it's very much colloquial. It's very much arbitrary. It's going to mean something different to whoever yeah. decides to use that type of language. But if you are to, you know, be with the know and know what we mean when we talk about blackness, these are the same people who you have to, you know, be skeptical of their criticisms of queerness or they're skeptical of their acceptance of uh, black women as, yeah, you know, centerpieces definitely. or at the forefront of a lot of movements, right? These are the same logics that we have to be leery of and weary of um, in our attempts to, to fathom bigger conceptions of blackness and to move toward higher goals. You know what I'm saying? It's to really let everybody have a shot. I mean, yeah. that's, that's part and parcel with the movement. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, and, and so I can respect it, particularly when it speaks to where people are psychologically and where they feel like they are socially because of how they see themselves represented, um, in the media around them. I, I think mean, that there, there are some big connections to be made there too. Yeah. Like shit, I can't draw. I can't like rap. I don't do, I can't do no poetry. Like none of that is me. I just like, did me and then like we like Nate and I tried to like create this space in which attempts to like encapture the multiplicities of blackness that and like show other black people that like there's no such thing as like one thing of being black like you could be black and fuck with anime you could be black and think anime is trash but really like <laughs> like and really like sports or you could be whatever you want like you could do whatever you want but uh, what happens is because there's a one definite like because the society tells us there's one definition of blackness. Oftentimes, if black people don't fit that definition, they feel as if like black people are ostracizing them or feel as if they're not black enough or people are questioning their blackness. And like, you know, these are things that some people go through and some people don't, but rather like we just, it's like, like black people is everywhere and can come from anything and be anything. So like, we just think that like, there's not one condition or one monolithic version of what it means to be black, I guess. But that also doesn't I, mean that also doesn't mean that like white people like Rachel Dozel could pull up and be like I'm black like that nah because like nah, none of that stuff like none of that right. stuff like none that, of that that doesn't fly with the like, movement no none of that stuff we we're not doing none of that stuff we just no. yeah none of that stuff <laughs> I mean I, I I I love it because it keeps it real and it's it's connected to reality in that sense to where it's not really gonna let a whole bunch of uh misleading misguided people going to infiltrate what needs to be a strong positionality of black people but i love it because it's very simple right i think we take for granted how logical it is for you to say things like you can just come in here and be 
You can just come in here and exist. And it seems very odd. There's like, wow, you don't need a space to say that. You don't need these types of platforms to say that, but you'd be surprised yeah. about how effective and how necessary having a domain where that's just the lay of the land, right? That's just the rules is that you do you and we do us and we do that together at the same time as much as it may be compatible or incompatible. It's just a whole bunch of black folks just living and being and existing and surviving and not just that, but thriving, which is what I've seen in my my takeaways from the Black Wallflower is that it's giving people tools and the capacity to really just push forward and push through, you know what I'm saying, and do so um, in a way that makes them feel loved and supported. So I'm, I'm with it. Let me, let me, I think we're we about to close it out. But I want to ask, you had talked about a project coming up that you were thinking about doing, and I wanted to know just generally if you had anything you wanted to leave with people concerning the Black Wallflower, what you're up to um, in terms of emotional and um, and mental health. Just just what do you have to say to the people, Jordan? Let us know. Talk to uh, us. I guess, like, the Black Wallflower is just, we're just trying to, I guess, now expand from, like, what we have on Facebook to a website and then figure out ways that, like, we could turn it into the we could turn the black wallflower into a media collective of black folk that kind of just do things for black folk meaning like instead of vice instead of like noisy instead of fader new york times all these people writing up articles and like trying to put black people on interviewing black artists like going on tour with black artists whatever that may be like we think that we would have we can have those like the goal is to have those discussions with black artists so for instance like pull up on common and, and like ask like wait this would be a future thought but like pull up on common or other like artists like small artists like no name gypsy or whatever i'm sorry excuse me no name and ask them like what is it what does this music mean to you and how does it help you like how does this how is this this music explain your black experience like what does that mean for you that's one of the things that we're trying to like work on in the future how is it that we can i guess have artists explain their music more and explain how their music helps them through like a battle with mental health because there's a, a stigma of mental health and we're trying to break down that stigma that like everybody has mental health issues like this is a thing How, that occurs. if people wanted to start to get a, a, a become a part of a black wildflower or participate or just talk or give their views on maybe their music and black mental health and how they're using their apparatuses and their mediums as a way to kind of deal with that. How would they get in contact with you? Like, I know you got the Tumblr, like what's the best way to like plug with y'all and get with the black wildflower? It would either be the Tumblr or through, uh, <coughs> or through one of our Facebooks, I guess, until we, until we get this website up and popping. Um, I guess face, I've probably like the website or Facebook would probably be one of the easier ways. So what's the Tumblr? The Tumblr is um, at Black Wallflower uh, backslash, I think, at Tumblr, I believe. Okay, so if you get on Tumblr, you should just be able to search the Black Wallflower, though, and find it. Yeah, um, yeah, it pops up once you get on Tumblr, yeah. Definitely. So check out that Tumblr because I know content is is always basically moving through there, but a lot of the blog posts, a lot of the music and playlists or whatever end up there. So so definitely check out that Tumblr. Um, What is up with the we hate mayo situation what is what is the situation with that so me, <laughs> me my brother and this kid sam one of my friends sam we're trying to start a web series called either called something called i hate mayo because i really do not like mayo like i yeah. it's just not my thing whatever we know and i we made know. If you follow made, jordan on any medium i made this public uh, and people, social, you people know have had issues not bang with the mayonnaise people have had issues that i don't bang with the mayonnaise like it's whatever but um, but I guess the concept of the show is kind of going to be like something like a, a a weekly review where whatever happened during the week 
we have like my brother and I get together, film it, talk about it, just chill, whatever. And also at the same time, have a review of like, you know, black owned businesses, black owned restaurants. Um, and you know, put that out there so that people that follow the black wallflower can visit these black restaurants. And also, so these black restaurants and black businesses can get some sort of like, whether it be publicity or just get some sort of following, you know, cause like all black people should figure out ways in which to connect with each other. And we just think that like the internet now being the age of information being the way it is, you can literally connect with people from like Snapchat posts, Facebook posts, whatever it may be. So even if it's like, like literally the day after Trump was elected, people were like, yo, I'm feeling, I don't feel that well. Like, you know, the world, a lot's going on in the world. Anybody want to FaceTime, Snapchat or whatever, have a conversation. And literally people are responding back and forth saying, yeah, we could talk. What's your number? That never met with each other. So I think that like we're, we're, the goal is kind of just to break down the stigma specifically between black people and people of color to have a discussion about mental health. It shouldn't have to take like Kid Cudi going to rehab to have to start a conversation about black people and mental health. You know, we think that like it's great that he's getting rehab, but that should that it's like the conversation should be pushed further than that, because oftentimes black people try to push mental health back into like push it back into the realm of like, oh, we don't have mental health issues, just pray, you know? But it's like, you, you can't pray, that you can't, mental health is just not something that you could pray upon. It's like, you know? For sure. So it's one of those things that we think that like, we hope it continues to grow. We love all the support that we get and continue and hope to get any future support, whatever that may be. And also at some point, like, maybe think about like, um, dropping like shirts and whatever. Like I, I have a shirt that like I created that I'm trying to figure out like how to get this shirt printed and whatever, but that's kind of a whole different ball game, you know. Then um I just recently wrote a piece uh about like um this time I was in Florida at some debate tournament and like you know, a crazy crazy ass anti-black experience occurred to me and whatever and kind of like reoriented my view of the world and like changed my view of everything pretty much. You know, so like, I just finished right I just wrote the piece, you know, I'm working on the second draft now. Hopefully it's out by like the end of this week, you know, end of this weekend. But um well, put it on, put it on, definitely make sure the Facebook group is out there, uh, the Black Wallflower. And there's a WordPress, the Black Wallflower WordPress also. The the WordPress, the Black, Flower, uh, uh, the Black Wallflower WordPress, and also the Black Wallflower Tumblr. So as the shirts come out, as uh, your reflections on this Florida trip come out, like all of that stuff is going to be there. My vision um, and, and what I hope to continue to see is that there are more and more curators of, of a lot of this material. Um, so if you are listening and you feel like what Jordan is really talking about is something that you're interested in, I'm telling y'all, do not miss out on what the Black Wallflower is putting out. And don't miss out on the opportunity to connect with these awesome, awesome individuals who are really out here trying to connect the dots in terms of what we know about uh, mental and emotional health for our black people. That's really real out here. Jordan. Anybody I, that wants to write? Do write, rap if you write, rap if you make cartoons, draw pictures, whatever, take pictures, whatever, hit us up. And there's like literally a spot for whoever, any black person that does whatever. Like, there's like, we're going to try to get that work out there, whatever it may be, have a discussion, whatever. Like, whoever it is, just hit us up, let us know. The Black Wallflower. It's out here. It's really real. Jordan, I appreciate you sitting down and talking to me for real. I definitely no problem. do. Thank you, Toya. You're the best. Hey, we out here. I appreciate it. You know what it is. It's the chop up. We're going to take it back uh, to the show. We out. All right, y'all. This has been an episode of The Chop Up. We just wrapped up with The Black Wallflower, and we're wrapping up the entire show. We've had a great time. Yes, indeed. Um, We've talked about a lot, covered a lot, nostalgia, uh, and looking back at everything we've been through. We talked about a little bit of the Trump scenario. 
And, you know, mental health is of the utmost importance. So make sure you check out the Black Wallflower both on Tumblr and on Facebook if you get the chance because they got some hot content. Hey. Uh, G, eat good. Live good. Feel good. Thanksgiving is coming. Feel good. Look good. Hey, we good. I'm good over here. Yo, we wrapping up? I think so. Yo, shout out to to TB and James Jones. Friends for life. Yo, that's 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 the people. So that's the squad. we we finishing up our twelfth episode. I I really can't believe it. Uh, it's, it's been well over a year. We started about a year. We got a almost about there. a year ago. Yeah, yeah, and and I feel like uh, I want to acknowledge TB and James Jones because they were definitely uh, intricate in. in and getting this thing started and off the ground, so this, Drum Street. Yeah, this wouldn't be a chop up. It wouldn't for y'all. So Hey, we love y'all. Love y'all. Appreciate you. And everybody that's listening, we love y'all too. Appreciate y'all listening. Appreciate the uh, the feedback, the comments, the sharing, all that, the phone calls, uh, the know, likes. Yeah, everything. We appreciate we love it. Love the likes. Yeah. Some people be shy. <laughs> y'all be y'all be listening, checking it out, but y'all don't like it. We we need those. You know how it is out here. But, and we still love you and we, yeah. we thankful for you more yes. importantly thank, thank you thank you thank you another successful episode we out this thing it's the chop up peace this is the chop up this is the chop up my name is Cam G, the coolest, allow me to do the honor. I'm with my sister Toya G, and she's straight out of KC. Moved to the West Coast, but still gonna keep it G. We got together to give the people something that's free. The chop up should come off organically, cause on the mic, on the phone, we have these conversations anyway. And make sure you chop it up with us on the social media. And you can chop up any day, cause you can stream us in any place. And didn't I say I was Cam G, the coolest? Texas making OG maneuvers And this is a recording where no one can do it live This is the top up This is the top up It is Ryan here and I have a question for you What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.